0: Message from Starfleet Command, top priority.
1: You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 103, featuring the top five Bad Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I am the host of the Trek Ranks podcast, and tonight our show is about one of those topics that, dare I say, you will only hear on Trek Ranks. We are ranking our top five bad Maybe someone else will do it, but bad is the perfect topic for Trek Ranks. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that if you are listening to a podcast called Trek Ranks and you already know what a bad admiral is, it's that catchy little shorthand term for all those bad admirals or ambassadors or high commissioners who like to make things difficult for for our cast and heroes on Star Trek. So this should be a fun topic that I'm guessing and hoping that's going to cover some new ground that maybe we've never covered before on Trek Ranks. So... For a great topic like this, we have got two bad Trekkies joining us tonight. First up, he's coming to us all the way from the Briar Patch
2: in the Australia sector. It's Mr. Jamie McGregor. Welcome back, Jamie. G'day, Jim. Thank you for having me on, and uh, fantastic to talk to you and to talk uh, talk more Trek ranks. How good. Yes, and I, this is your, I think,
1: third appearance now. Road trips, crossover moments are in my notes, so now we're going to do bad
2: rolls. Yes, and last time, last time I uh, spoke to you, I was not yet a completist. Uh, and it oh, was uh, right. it was your end I used Trek Ranks' list of my remaining. I think I had like forty remaining Enterprise episodes to watch, and watched on a reverse Trek Ranks watch of that, uh, keeping the best until last. And it was a fun way to uh, knock over the rest of Enterprise. So I uh, thanks, that. thanks for that.
1: That is so great that you were not a completist and now you are. That might be the first time that's happened on Trek Ranks. Uh, where someone wasn't and now is. I don't know. Who knows? All right, our second guest making his second appearance. It's Patrick Escadero. Patrick, welcome back, man.
3: Thanks, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me back again. I'm very excited. I also wasn't a completionist, which I know we talked about last time I was yeah. on the show, but I have decided to, and I've already started, to rewatch all of Star Trek, uh, every series, every movie, pretty much everything possible in chronological order in the universe. So I'm on Enterprise right now, and hopefully, maybe the next time or a couple of times, depending, <laughs> I, I talk to you again, uh, I will be a completionist.
1: Chronological order is ambitious. and It's
3: a little crazy. And that's fantastic.
1: Well, especially now with Discovery, because you have to go Discovery yes. 1, 2, and then <laughs> skip it for a long time, and then go to Discovery Season 3. Super cool. That's
2: pandemic-level activity there, right <laughs> yes, there. Yes, it is.
3: I really should have started it about nine months ago, but (laughs) I kind of just came up with the idea, you know, the last couple of months. So we'll we'll see. 2021, you know, hopefully it's a little bit better, but I bet there's going to be a a lot more staying at home.
1: You got plenty of time. All (laughs) right, let's get started with our Trek Ranks recalibration.
3: Let's start with something small,
4: like a recalibration of the EPS manifold.
1: As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one of the Trek ranks charter is that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And remember, it's not about the ranks. It's just an excuse to talk about Star Trek because as Mr. Spock himself says, our show is all about
0: infinite diversity in infinite combinations, symbolizing the elements that create truth and beauty.
1: No wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise, the Kelvin Timeline, Discovery, Short Treks, Picard, Lower Decks. So many now. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the great third season of Star Trek Discovery. And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. There are definitely a few bad roles in the films. So that should get some interesting looks tonight. I boost
2: of power to the communications bandwidth.
1: We appreciate that bandwidth boost, Mr. Kim. And you can find Truck Ranks on subspace at trekranks.com. You can connect with me directly on Twitter at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP at 609-512-5527. All right, Jamie and Patrick, to wrap it up, why don't you guys let everyone
2: know how they can get a hold of you on subspace? Jamie. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, jmac underscore ref and uh, always happy to talk Trek with anyone out there.
1: Excellent. And Patrick, how about you?
3: I'm also on Twitter at Patrick E34 and feel free to hit me up for any Trek talk and also a little hockey and technology mixed in there.
1: Ooh, that is a great trifecta. All right, ready to activate our level one diagnostic get into today's show. Run a level one diagnostic series, come. All right, really quick. This is going to be a pretty short diagnostic cycle, but I just want to make sure that everyone knows that for this topic, we're going to define bad role any way you want. It doesn't have to be an admiral to begin with, because there's plenty of commissioners and high commissioners and ambassadors that fit the bill of executive officers who are bad news. And also, we, we kind of little bit of a wrinkle if you want to put a badass in there that you think is a, a bad rule because they're a badass admiral that's up to you so we're gonna i just want to make that clear off the off the get-go you can define bad role however you want and figured so i'm not big on the ranks and pips things like some of our friends on twitter like uh looking at you thad <laughs> i i <laughs> I don't do a great job of keeping an eye on that stuff. So I just figured I would run through this really quick. I got to go. Admiral stuff. Love you.
4: Don't you hang up on me. She's your daughter too. Hanging Here
1: up, is the dead. rank don't protocol don't, don't, of admirals you, I, in Starfleet. Just so we're, just so as a little bit of information. The fleet admiral is top. Admiral is second. I always thought vice admiral was above admiral. What, what do I know? I'm an idiot. Of course, they're, of course it's below. It's like president, vice president. So it's admiral, then vice admiral, then rear admiral, then Commodore, which is actually a low, AKA rear Admiral, lower half. So I just figured I'd throw that in there because it was educational for me. Okay. That's our diagnostic cycle. Let's get into our prime directors now.
4: But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the prime directive prohibits.
1: All right, Jamie, let's start with you, man. How did you come up with your list? How did you define bad Can't wait to get into this.
2: Well, a lot of things going on for this list. So, I mean, Last time I was on Trek Ranks in my first two rounds, I picked Manhunt and False Prophets, uh, and it took another year to get another invitation. So first and foremost, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and get some good episodes in here. And I think most of the ones I've picked are are pretty good episodes. I ruled in any, as you say, any kind of flag officer. So all of the ones you just went through. Um, And to narrow my list, I looked at, uh, I kind of felt there were three types of admirals. There are kind of admiral exposition kind of like you know uh basil exposition from um from austin powers you know the admiral that just comes in to just uh, explain a bunch of stuff and keep the story moving uh there's admiral buzzkill who comes in to just sort of ruin the mood of everyone and i've got a few of those for secondary systems and then there's kind of like admiral evil and i i found about 14 of them so To help me narrow that further, I decided not to include anyone that's kind of alternate reality, holographic, or possessed, or anything like that, which ruled out a few good ones that I hope you guys pick. They have to be kind of bad or evil or wrong of their own accord, so like any good villain, they have to think that they're the hero of the piece. And I also decided not to pick anyone that was also picked in your one-off villains or Top five movie villains shows.
1: Wow. All right. So, so that helped
2: me. That helped me as well.
1: That, that's a lot of criteria. So you might be getting into some deep cuts here. I like that that's good I I okay so i
2: will i will say episode 89 like your top five movie villains that is one of the best episode of trek ranks <laughs> where, with you and carlos arguing for the entire show yet picking almost the identical picks all the way through it's, uh and it's
1: so funny you got lee just yeah. picking his crazy list and then me and <laughs> carlos are arguing the whole time but yet i think we had three duplicates so.
2: yeah <laughs> it's so funny
1: all right patrick how about you man how did you break it down
3: I don't think I was as specific with this. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Me uh, neither. Really what I I narrowed it down to for myself was I I chose people that did have the rank of admiral, whether it was vice admiral, fleet admiral, uh, or just plain old admiral. Um, But I went a mix of those that you would call bad and those that you call badass. Um, I wanted kind of an excuse to throw in some admirals that are you know, considered badass. maybe that means they're the good guy, but maybe that also means that, you know, you could argue either way. Uh, What they did may have been good in the situation, but was it really the correct thing to do? And maybe from another point of view, was it kind of a bad thing to do? Um, And so that's where, you know, my mix is. I didn't limit it really to anything. There's, you know, got all across Star Trek here. So yeah, I I wanted to maybe uh, not pick some duplicates by kind of, going with a little bit of good uh, as well as badass.
1: Okay, that's also pretty straightforward in terms of uh, being well-defined inside the, the bad rule and or badass uh, breakdown. Okay, so for me, I toyed around with doing a little bit of everything on my list when I began, but having some bad apples, having a few badass guys in there. But when they all came down to it, I, I just went with all bad rules. But that doesn't mean I dislike them all. And there's a few that on here that I I actually like, even though they're definitely defined as as a bad role. And they aren't all bad people, which I think uh, we've already talked about a little bit. And I did make sure to keep a little. I, I didn't define it just as admirals. So I definitely have some picks in here for people who uh, who fill that role, but may not be specifically a bad role. But. Uh, I think uh, this is going to be an episode with. Uh, we got to have some duplicates, but I also think there's going to be some picks that we miss. Where people are going to be like, "How did you not pick that guy?" So this is going to be uh, this is going to be a great topic. I am looking forward to it. Okay, I think we're now ready to have First Coudettaon introduce us to the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant.
0: That will be the new order of things.
1: Thank you, first, Kudekatan, and as always, just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our top five bad roles in one episode that, that we think will help define you know, what, what made us make that pick. And then at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if you have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Jamie, we're going to start with you. What's your number five
2: pick for your top five bad role? Okay, so my five words are chump, cops, Cardassian coronavirus coughs. Hashtag Ensign Roe is someone I'd like to know, and it is Vice Admiral Kenley from Ensign Row, TNG episode, uh, season five, episode three. I absolutely love a Starfleet Admiral secretly trying to sell weapons to terrorists. Uh, that is... <laughs> That is always going to be on my list, uh, here. The, the Bajoran terrorist Orta, who it turns out is not actually the, the person that we think they are originally, uh, who sends Roe on her clandestine mission, not realizing, I think that if she's a free thinking troublemaker, she'll probably actually sell him out too, which is exactly what she does. Yeah. And I, I do think. Uh Kenley, of course, my uh, five words referring to his uh, Cardassian virus, which sets him up as a villain in Act One, clearly he hasn't learned how to wear a mask, uh, as we, we can all sit here in uh, 2020 and, and roll <laughs> our right. eyes at him. But in general, I do actually really enjoy this episode. You know, it begins with Mr. Mott, the barber. It's a great use of Guinan, especially the scene in, in Ten Ford with uh, with Roe. You know, am I disturbing you? Yes. Good. And overall, I think Cliff Potts, as, as uh, Mr. K- uh, Mr. Kennelly, plays just the right mix of gullibility and arrogance that just puts him as a perfect Admiral to kick off my list. So uh, there you go, a row. It seemed,
0: Admiral, that they knew our course, our destination, our plan.
4: I'm sure they monitor the border at all times for terrorist activity. The sensors must have picked up our ship, that's all.
0: I'm not convinced of that.
4: The important thing is, what do we do now?
0: Do you have any suggestions, Admiral?
4: Your top priority is to protect the Cardassian Treaty.
0: Sir, I see no way to protect the Cardassian peace without sacrificing the Bajoran.
4: If that's your call, I'll support it.
0: No. I'm not willing to
4: give them up. I don't think you're looking at the big picture, Jean-Luc. We can't afford to lose the Cardassian Treaty.
0: Well, I just see a different big picture, Admiral. It looks something like this. I see the Cardassian liaison with his Cardassian virus coming to meet with you after the attack on Solarian 4. Now we have a common enemy, he says. The Pachoran terrorists. The Cardassians can't find them. But maybe the Federation can. I'm beginning to see our mission has, in fact, been to expose Orta so that the Cardassians can move in and destroy him.
4: I think you've lost your perspective, Captain. We'll discuss this further when you return. For now, I'm giving you a direct order to withdraw. Kenley out.
1: I love Kenley. This is a great... Pick. I, because I hate Kenley. That's great that's right. <laughs> I don't love him. He's terrible. And this is a great deep cut pick. I love it. Ensign Rowe's an awesome episode. And this guy, I love bringing the mask into it because I love the little slide of the cough giving him away and Picard just calls him out at the end. It's so great. I'll tell you what I see, Admiral. Love it. Patrick, what's your take on Kennelly and Ensign Rowe?
3: I mean, that's a that's a deep cut to start us off. I like that. I um, love it. It's been a while since I've seen Ensign Rowe, but uh, I do remember uh, a little bit of it. I like it at the end as Picard, you know, Picard calls everybody out because that's what Picard does in TNG when he he knows he's right or at least thinks he's right. Um, But what I like is we don't really see what happens to him. Speculation, if I remember that, you know, I believe Picard said something along the lines of he's probably going to be court-martialed. We don't really know. And as we've seen in Star Trek, the bad rules don't always get their due. So Mm. who knows what really happens after that? You know, a little slap on the wrist as opposed to being demoted. But, yeah, it'd be an interesting deep cut to follow up on someday in some Trek.
1: That's a great point. I'm, there's some on my list that are going to fall into that category.
3: It's uh, it's interesting.
1: Okay, let's go to your number five pick, Patrick.
3: What do you got? Okay, my five-word summary, important for the pre-Federation Starfleet. Hashtag underrated importance in Trek history. And my pick is on the badass side, uh, which could still be debated. Admiral Maxwell Forrest from Enterprise. Um, yes specific, specifically for the episode the forge um so like I said I took to heart the idea of not having all just bad people but people that maybe were a little bit badass and it's harder to get any more badass than sacrificing yourself to save a friend uh referring to saving Saval from the explosion of the Vulcan embassy or the earth embassy on Vulcan and really uh, you know when it comes to, to Forest, I always felt he Was kind of underrated, you know. He wasn't in a ton of episodes of Enterprise, but I I like that he always, um, you know, with Archer specifically, starting even in Broken Bow, where he said, "All right, you know, let's get this thing, let's get this warp five project off the ground finally. Let's let's send the nx one out, you know." Whereas the Vulcans continued to kind of push to not do that, and to me, that that kind of makes me wonder, you know, in some of the decisions he's made with the NX program over that period uh, of Enterprise if it was any other admiral, would they have sent the ship out? Would they have uh, delayed it, you know, longer and longer? And what would that have, how would that have affected earth? Would the Zindi have destroyed earth because, you know, the NX hadn't been out there exploring, Um, you know, so I think that makes him a little bit underrated and definitely a a badass in the history of Trek.
1: That's a great point. I never thought about what if he hadn't made that decision and somebody else was in charge. I like that. Listen, I undoubtedly think, uh, admiral forrest is a badass and full disclosure this he is the reason i was thinking man we should include badasses in our bad role definition <laughs> because i would love to talk about him and then I, at the end i ended up not picking him. he's on my secondary systems i he is he is so great I, even in uh, first flight when he's has to make the decision between archer and mm-hmm. uh, robinson robinson thanks ag and he, and I just I love that dynamic. And then, but but the thing I love about that when he's a real badass is at the end when they launch the the beta, the second ship, and they hit the warp, and then he's just like, okay, we'll turn around and get back. And but but he's like happy inside. And he knows they made the right decision, yes. even though he knew his hands were tied before that. Listen, he's a little. He has to be a little bit of a politician in some of his episodes, but I think he's always super fair and straight, and trying to push as far as he can knowing the the constraints of the job. You know what? He's just very real. He's a real character that just feels lived in and consistent from the very beginning all the way to his death in the forge, which uh, is a great pick. Uh, Jamie, what's your take on
2: badass Admiral Forrest? Absolute badass. Ab- no, no problem uh, agreeing there. And, I mean, I love Vaughn Armstrong. You know, being a big uh, Star Trek Rat Pack fan, you know, he's one of my yes. favorite uh, yeah. Star Trek actors. And this was kind of the, uh, you know, for someone that had been in so many roles, this was kind of like the extended role, recurring guest that he deserved on the show. And so I, I love that about it. Um, we haven't really spoken about his heroic death, though. This is oh, now that's yeah. what really makes him a badass. Seriously. Uh, you know, most of the people on my uh, badmirals list, you know, die gruesomely and get court-martialed. This guy goes out in a blaze of glory. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely um, great, great pick and a uh, total badass.
1: A very heroic death, no
3: doubt. And I think you could even say that, you know, saving Saval, even Saval was not, you know, very emotional as Vulcans are. It probably strengthened Saval's conviction to help Enterprise after that in a number of ways. Yeah almost brought him over to the side where for all the years before he was kind of at odds with Archer constantly.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point for sure. It did. All right, let's go to my number five pick. And my first pick is not technically an Admiral. He's an ambassador, but I, it, it was so early in Star Trek's run. And I wanted to, I really wanted to make uh, recognize TOS a little bit that he's basically serving the purpose of a bad role. And I'm picking him because I've hated this guy since I was about 10 years old. And I want to put him on freaking notice. So here we go. Five words and a hashtag. Poppin' Jay Ambassador has no taste. Hashtag. The haggis is in the fire for sure. And it is from TOS episode, uh, Season 1, Episode 23, A Taste of Armageddon. It is Ambassador Fox. This guy sucks. He is a classic do-nothing blowhard. He doesn't listen to anyone around him. He just decides because he has the power. His way is the correct way, and, and that's how they're going to proceed. And this is, of course, he's he's like the dignitary on board, the diplomat on board, ready to negotiate with the Amini R-7 when Kirk goes down and basically just says, I'm, I'm in control of the ship, and the mission... And he basically he's just like Jellico. They're exactly the same. So if you think this guy's a blowhard, you have to think Jellico's the exact same way. Because this guy had every in every right to step in and say command structure allows me to do this. And then he makes every bad call, and doesn't listen to any of his professionals or experts in their field, and let them uh, do their jobs. Can't stand this guy. He's barking orders all day long, and I really love it at the end when. Uh, when he gets sweaty beams down to to meet with uh, an On Seven, he's just like, "Yes, we're going to take you to our disintegration booth right now." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> so good.
0: This is important. Under no circumstances shall anyone beam down from the Enterprise; they'd be killed the moment they arrived.
5: That ties it. That Poppin' Jay Fox went down a couple of minutes ago. The ambassador.
1: I knew it had a rotten ring to it. Uh, ambassador Fox, Amini R Seven. Taste of Armageddon, uh, Jamie. What's your take on this one?
2: Wow. Uh, look, I can't say a Taste of Armageddon is my is, is one I know all that well. This is this is definitely where the two the two peoples are, are fighting through computer simulation. Right? Correct. Yep, yep. Which is a, a timely pick at the moment, given I think everyone feels that their lives are, are running <laughs> through computer simu- simulations. I think I remember. Is there a moment when he kind of threatens to court martial Scotty? Is that this episode? Yes,
1: he does. He says he says he's going to uh, he's going to put him in a penal colony. And he That's says, right. That yes. you can okay. do, sir. But I will not lower the screens. I'm
2: not doing a <laughs> Scottish accent. <laughs> yes, no, no, no worries on that front. Yeah, no, uh, great pick. And you're you're 100 right he, in that in that this is this is the role of the admiral being played out. Ambassador doesn't matter what you call him. Yeah. And the same level of of smug superiority with bumbling incompetence. Uh, and getting a comeuppance in the end all uh, fit together very nicely. So uh, great pick and nice to get some original series in.
1: Yeah, he's such a snot when he's like, this is how diplomats do things. It's so bad. Mr.
5: Einar, I uh, presume that you will have our ship's captain on hand when I beam down.
1: You will be there, sir.
5: I give you my word. I'm sure that from this day forward, your planet and our federation will attain the deepest friendship. I look forward to seeing you. Diplomacy, gentlemen. Should be a job uh, left to diplomats. You will, of course, immediately resume a peaceful status. No, sir. I will not. What did you say? I'll not lower the screens, not until the captain tells me to. You are taking orders from me. You will lower the screens as a sign of good faith. My authority. I know about your authority, but the screens stay up. Mr. Fox. They've faked a message from the captain. They've launched an attack against our ship. Now, you want us to trust them openly? I want you and expect you to obey my lawful orders. No, sir. I won't lower the screens. Your refusal to comply with my orders has endangered the entire success of this mission. I can have you sent to a penal colony for this. That you can, sir. But I won't lower the screens. Your name will figure prominently in my report to the Federation Central. Oh, Scotty. Now you've done it. Aye, the haggis is in the fire for sure. But I'll not lower my defenses on the word of that mealy-mouthed gentleman down below.
3: Not until I know what happened to the captain.
1: Uh, Patrick, any uh, memory of Taste of Armageddon in this one?
3: Yeah, a little bit. In fact, I I do specifically remember Scotty and McCoy, too, kind of saying, like, no, we're not going to do this to Fox. And then, which is, I think, right before he (laughs) threatens to court-martial Scotty and It's nice to see Scotty Stan firm, especially, um, in a face of someone who is technically a superior, but, uh, you know, obviously is kind of a piece of crap and everybody knows it and realizes that he shouldn't be in charge of anything, let alone making decisions on a starship or anywhere else for that matter. So that's a, that's a pretty deep cut. And I, I like, the, uh, I like the fact that even though he is completely incompetent, the Enterprise crew, uh, specifically in that situation with Scott, like we see our heroes standing up to the people that, yeah, maybe they're in charge, but sometimes things aren't always black and white, and you got to stand your ground when you know it's the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, com- completely agree. And yeah, you mentioned McCoy. This is one of those episodes where McCoy is like... When the ambassador's not there, he's like, Scotty, what are you going to do? you got to do something. (laughs) And then Scotty does that, and he's like, oh, you're in trouble now, Scotty. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) All
2: right, let's go to round four. Uh, Jamie, what's your number four pick? Okay, so my five words are Picard preferred the riser, Vash. Hashtag, oh, no, sunglasses on show. And it is Commodore O from... Picard season one, episode three, the end is the beginning. Oh uh, my
1: God. This <laughs>
2: is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> this is our uh, Zatvash, Talshia Starfleet mole herself. Yes. Uh, played brilliantly by Tamlon Tamita. Uh, love the take no prisoners attitude with the uh, Narissa Rizzo character. And, you know, just plays the perfect level of, of smugness. Uh, through her interactions, as a you know that just that kind of aloof insider knowledge uh, kind of attitude, just enough so that when Riker knocks it down a peg at the end of the show, we all cheer, you know, and that which is an, which is an important part of that that process. And I've picked the episode where she kind of interrogates Jurati and we realize that Jurati's probably been compromised, mm-hmm. even though she's kind of upfront to Picard about the fact that she's had this conversation with O, but we, you know, we kind of suspect something and that sets up the rest of the rest of that aspect of the series so anyway there you go fantastic for Picard to come right out at the beginning of the the launching of the series with a bad moral right in there right up front episode two and three boom there you go you you want Trek here it is it's a bad moral in Picard so there you go
1: <laughs> I am blown away by this awesome deep cut pick I, I thought we might get some Picard mentions based on uh an admiral that we saw in that series, but I did not think of Commodore O. This is a fantastic, fantastic deep cut. And she's an admiral. Commodore is her admirals. And and she's a badmiral, to say the least. Infiltrating Starfleet, incredible. I love this pick. Patrick, what's your take on uh, Commodore O, the end is the beginning?
3: Yeah, great pick. I mean, Commodore O is the essential badmiral because she is a you know mole inside the organization not uh you know obviously worked her way up to her rank over many many years so she's been playing the long game
1: yes yeah, she has
3: and uh yeah i thought it was fantastically played um by the actress and uh like uh, jimmy said at the end there when Riker knocks her down a peg we dislike her just enough you know we've seen her enough times and she's done her badrnellness uh you know throughout a couple of episodes that we're just like yes okay great you know you, Knocked her down a peg, like she deserved. Um, but yeah, that's a great, that's a great pick, and one that I actually hadn't even considered.
1: Yeah, me neither. Uh, Tamlin, to me, the fantastic in that role. Jatvash, I love this. That is some uh, Trek ranks deep cuts right there. Patrick, what's your number four pick?
3: All right. So my five words: change history, save my friends. Hashtag. I would do the same thing. My choice is. Technically another badass, but also maybe somebody that was not really doing good for everybody. And I am talking about Vice Admiral Catherine Janeway from Endgame.
1: Okay. Oh, this Whoa. is, this uh, is which I, spectacular. So
3: good. <laughs> which, which I thought I, I'm either going to get some death threats out of this one or people are going to applaud me. <laughs> you, you know what? This is I,
1: I did not think of this, and, and this is brilliant. She's a bad role in this. I mean, yeah. she's destroying the future that's already been written. Yes. So, and there's a big debate to be had there. Um, but go ahead, Patrick. I love this. That,
3: yeah, and that's that's really why I picked it because you know, from our side the viewer, you know, we want Voyager to get home earlier. We want these characters that we see in this episode to not meet some of the fates that they met, like Seven of Nine or Chakotay. But let's face facts, you know, Vice Admiral Janeway here had Ensign Muriel Paris make secret deals with Klingons uh, for devices. Oh my for, gosh, for, for, she did. <laughs> for that device. And that's that's like that's just the first thing. But, but then, Von, by
1: the way, Von Armstrong.
3: Yeah, yes. <laughs> then she steals it from him anyway because he tries to alter the the deal and she just is like, eh, no, I'm just going to take it anyway. Don't worry about it. Then she forces the doctor with his lovely name of Joe to give her meds to help from tachyon radiation, which, you know, those of us nerdy Trekkies watching, know that's often associated with time travel. And then not only all of that, she uses her friendship with Captain Harry Kim to try to manipulate him into agreeing to her violating every directive in the book, essentially. And he ends up agreeing to it because he's so loyal to her. And he uses that friendship and that loyalty uh, you know, against him, essentially. And it just kind of, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is it's kind of messed up. She's not really a good person in this episode. Um, you know, advice, Admiral. And then she goes back and changes history. And somewhere in the galaxy, the Department of Temporal Investigations is weeping at that moment. But at the end, you know, she gets Voyager back way earlier. We, you know, as we believe, she saved Chakotay 7 and Tuvok, deals a huge blow to the Borg, so at the same time, yes, yeah, she's a bad world, but would any of us done the same thing? I think most of us would have, and I know I would have. So bad in terms of, you know, violating all sorts of uh, temporal regulations, the prime directive, all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my choice. She's a badass, but maybe not so good in her badassery.
1: Patrick, this is one of my favorite picks ever. I swear to God, this is a <laughs> great pick. Both your guys' lists are way better than mine so far. She's she's actually a pretty bad bad role. I mean, she's making deals with uh, she I mean, she's putting poor morale Paris in in the line of fire for a mm-hmm. for a dirty, dirty arms deal. I mean, wow,
2: that is this is amazing. I love this pick. Jamie, what's your take? This is awesome. I I love it. It 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 didn't fit my prime directive because it's an alternate reality yes, version yes, of Janeway. Yeah, yeah. But it is she is totally a bad moral in this episode. <laughs> uh and uh, it it also fits the the you know the trek trope of the kind of uh, captain ahab kind of um mm-hmm. you know downfall type who gets obsessed by this one thing and has to have it at all costs and and makes decisions you know poor decisions as they go just to make this you know deal with their obsession of course in janeway's case you know getting back without you know the 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 body count that she returned with uh in the other in the other reality and yeah no what a what an inspired pick so uh you've you've nailed it patrick that's great
1: yeah, that is—it's so good because when people see that you've picked Admiral Janeway, that their first thought is going to be—they're going to think of the, you know Admiral Janeway in, from Nemesis. Wait,
3: why is she a bad role? That was it's, the first. Uh, <laughs> that was actually the first way I thought of her. I thought, oh well, okay, Admiral Janeway is yeah. a nemesis, but she wasn't really in it. And then yeah. I thought, wait a minute, the she, ultimate bad role—bad role—is so in good. Endgame, and it's also Janeway.
1: I love it. It is a fantastic uh, pick. Okay. my We're going to go back to more normal picks now. Here's my pick. Round four. Five words in a hashtag. A desperate act of patriotism? Hashtag not even close, just a power grab. It is Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode 12, Paradise Lost. and Of course, it's Admiral Layton, the ultimate role And we've talked about this episode a lot on Trek Ranks. It's one of those incredibly prescient episodes that aired years before 9-11 and, and years before you know we had a, a made-up terror threat that our government took us to war for in the early 2000s. And that's exactly what was happening in this episode in like 1996. It's absolutely crazy. So his motivations are absolutely whacked, just completely driven by fear-based propaganda and lying to the Federation people and just to justify his own amped up security and martial law and power. And I hate this guy. He's terrible. It's kind of amazing that it preceded all the terrible things the U.S. government did uh, with the Iraq war. But, uh, man, it's it. you would think this was made seven years after that. It's it's so on the nose. Bonus that Robert Foxworth, who played who played Admiral Layton, also played Administer Velas, a Vulcan bad role in uh, the Vulcan trilogy as well and is responsible for the death of admiral Forrest. so yeah admiral layton jamie what's your take
2: uh this what this is one that you've picked before so this this got sure. crossed off crossed off my list for that reason way back episode seven with jeff Wait, Hewitt. That did was, i pick uh, him
1: as one of my uh, one-off villains one-off
2: even... villains absolutely <laughs> so of course and I did. i'm like <laughs> i'm like jim's gonna pick this guy he's he's <laughs> trash you know there is no there's no way jim doesn't pick this guy You're and right. i I love him for the simple fact that he gives us two brilliant episodes of Trek and unusual episodes of Trek. We don't actually go back to Earth much in, in Star Trek. And this is one of those opportunities for us to go back and really see life on Earth and, uh, you know, which doesn't happen. You know, it happens a few times, but it doesn't happen all that much, you know, obviously right. on a show called Star Trek. And, you know, obviously what DS9 managed to do was to, to, to always try and twist what was going on in space and make it relevant to our lives today. And this was one of those kind of issue shows where, as you say, the writers are particularly prescient and in a a bad way, unfortunately. And uh, I suppose this is just one of those episodes of of Trek that we've, we've just got to always um, remember uh, and make sure we don't go down the same path that uh, Mr. (coughs) Leighton took us down. Yes, that is good advice. I I was, this is one of the first,
1: episode there's some films that really takes place all on earth i'm trying to think of any other that maybe conspiracy took place on earth but time zero i don't count because that was in the past but i think this is yeah it's one of the first and i will add that uh i really should have checked my one-off villains
3: list before i uh, did <laughs> so i'm glad you did <laughs>
1: patrick what's your take on admiral layton
3: uh, this is a this is a great pick because he is an ultimate bat uh, and one thing I always remember about this episode, uh, is when Cisco gets that false positive on the, the blood screening and besides all the other stuff that this guy is doing throughout the episode, it just, it, it always struck me. Cause I'm like, wow, you know, Cisco found out what's going on with him, tries to call him out on some stuff. And then all of a sudden he gets this false positive blood screening, gets thrown into the brig essentially. And it's uh, it's just I'm like, wow, this is probably the kind of crazy shit that happens in real life. Excuse the the language, you know, somewhere out there in, in the depths of government, and it always makes me fearful because, like you said, you know, going back to the Iraq War and, and kind of the, some of the parallels here, it's like this kind of stuff is just it's just scary, you know, something like that so, so innocent that it, an innocent man is like, well, you found out the truth, so we're just gonna we're just gonna hide you away in some deep dark detention center, you know, if it wasn't for Odo, he'd probably still be in there so yeah that that's a that's a great pick definitely uh an ultimate bad in the history of trek
1: amazing scary stuff happening in that episode for sure okay so we're gonna go to the soup round but first so not only did we not have any duplicates in the first six picks we had six different series picked that is yes. very hard to do that's kind of amazing oh, good. very very cool eat your soup courtesy of a loyal establishment Okay, soup round. Jamie, what's your number three pick?
2: Okay, now I'm returning to uh, season one TNG admirals. So here we go. Five words. Oi, that's Picard's chair, mate. Hashtag cosmetics companies clearly coming to Kerberos too. And it is Rear Admiral Mark Jameson from <laughs> Too Short a Season season 1 episode 16 from TNG and if you can look past a little bit of the makeup on uh, Clayton Rona <laughs> well as soon as you uh, said
1: as soon as you said makeup in your hashtag i knew what you were talking
2: about. <laughs> yeah uh, interesting character study here about the guy whose concept of the prime directive was to give weapons to both sides now there's that's some logical thinking right there you know if you're going to if you're going to violate the prime directive you may as well be even handed about it and give <laughs> weapons to both sides of a conflict so you know what a, a great bad moral choice there I, my my five words refers to the point where he decides to sit in the captain's chair when he kind of takes over the takes over the operation and I'm not actually I couldn't think of how many other times people have done that kind of non-ironically where they've kind of you know relegated Picard to the number one chair and you know everyone gets bumped down one and i think Troy's barely hanging on to the horseshoe by the at that point my favorite scene is the the very not so subtle direction where He's in the observation lounge in complete shadow, so you can't see his face. Mm-hmm. And you know, especially given this era of Zoom calls, I'm sure we've all been there. You know, yeah. you're kind of <laughs> like, uh, you know, how can I get the lighting such that uh, I don't really look terrible? In and I would have thought they've sorted it by the 24th century, but apparently not. You just turn all the lights out and 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 look uh, look a bit look a bit dodgy. And in reading about this, this is one of the episodes that Gene Roddenberry's. Uh, you know his lawyer uh, fiddled with all of the, with the scripts and this oh, is one of the ones yeah. that he he did Leonard Mayslesch i think yeah yep. and uh, anyway i i liked i i love that so look is it a great episode no it's <laughs> no. one of my five that's not a great episode and i'm so I'm sorry about that but uh, as bad admirals go this is classic tng early uh bad so there you go so now
1: it's manhunt Uh, Too short a season and false prophets. (laughs) Uh, This is amazing. Definitely the first time it's probably ever even been mentioned on Trek Ranks. Too short a season. I did wonder if Mark Jameson would get a pick. And not only that, you got in the hated Leonard Maslidge. Google him. Everybody hates him. A terrible human being by all accounts. Uh, Patrick too short a season, Mark Jameson and his old man makeup.
3: Uh, this is one that I definitely have not seen this episode in forever, but that old man makeup is eternal. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure during my research, I came across this and was like, what is, what is this guy? Who is this guy? I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, this guy is definitely terrible, but my favorite parts of him being terrible are the terrible makeup and those weird early TNG Admiral uniforms. Like he was wearing as well. I was gonna add that in as part of my one of my problems with him being a bad realist. Those some of those uh those crazy uniforms from that point. Um but yeah, no, that's a another deep cut from Jamie.
1: I mean, yeah, I guess they're weird. I've never had a problem with them, but I you know, so many people just diss all the different variations I, of admiral uniforms. Which I,
3: I, I, I like some of the later ones, just not a fan <laughs> of some of those TNG ones.
2: I like his nifty uh, wheelchair. You know, his twenty fourth century. <laughs> oh wheelchair. yeah, that's right.
1: He's got the uh, he's got the Christopher Pike wheelchair going. On. I, uh, I one other note about this one is that I always remember this because the guy who he's trading the the arms with is the little known fact. The actor's name is uh, Pat- uh, Michael Pataki, I think. He was um, the Klingon in Trouble with Tribbles that basically said uh, the ship's a garbage scow. So, no. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. a cr- Really? Crazy little piece of uh, wow of connection there.
2: Yeah. And he he does he does <clears throat> chew the scenery a little in the last scene, <laughs> uh, wandering around screaming uh, at at, at, uh, at Picard, who just you know looks at him and quietly responds as Picard does in season one TNG. But yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! I had no idea about that.
1: I didn't mean to say the ship should be hauling garbage. Should be hauled away as
3: garbage. Speaking of
1: <laughs> chewing the scenery. Okay. Let's go to Patrick. What's your number three super pick?
3: Okay. Another interesting one for me. My five words, your hubris is not welcome. Hashtag, this is no longer your house, Jean-Luc. And my pick is Fleet Admiral Kristen Clancy from first season of Star Trek
1: Picard. There we um, go. Yes. Admiral F-bomb Clancy
3: herself. <laughs> <laughs> and I initially picked maps and legends or first meeting with Picard, but I also kind of want to add in broken pieces to that. Cause we yeah. get to see kind of the two faces of Clancy yeah. uh, in these situations. So we, when we first meet her, Picard goes to her, he starts, you know, he's like, I need a ship. I need a crew. I need to get out there. All this stuff is happening. And she's like, what are you talking about? You crazy old man. That's been a hermit for so long. And she is looking out for Starfleet and the Federation at this point, in my opinion, because she's not going to hand over a, a starship and possibly start random incidents with the Romulans because of one guy that's been in basically isolation for about 14 years at this point. And he he asked her these questions about a day or two after he appeared on the Federation News Network and basically called out Starfleet for what had happened Uh, you know, with the Romulans 14 years beforehand. So she's not exactly happy with them, and I'm pretty sure nobody else in Starfleet was really happy with them at this point. I have
0: a request to make. Based on my years of service, I want you to reinstate me. Temporarily, for one mission, I will need a small, warp-capable, reconnaissance ship with a minimal crew. And if you feel that my rank uh, makes me too conspicuous, well, then... I am content to be demoted to Captain. Sheer fucking hubris. You think you could just waltz back in here and be entrusted with taking men and women into space? Don't you think I was watching the Hollow the other day along with everyone else in the galaxy? I should not have spoken in public. The Romulans were our enemies, and we tried to help them for as long as we could. But even before the Synthetics attacked Mars, 14 species within the Federation said cut the Romulans loose or we'll pull out. It was a choice between allowing the Federation to implode or letting the Romulans go. The Federation does not get to decide if a species lives or dies. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. Thousands of other species depend upon us for unity, for cohesion. We didn't have enough ships left. We had to make choices. But the great Captain Picard didn't like his orders. I was standing up for the Federation, for what it
3: represents, for what it should still represent. How dare you lecture me? And I know it was uh, it was an interesting debate among the fans about you know whether Clancy was too hard hit on him or not. And honestly, I fall inside of not. I think she was she was doing uh, you know maybe she was a, she could have been a little bit nicer, could have been a, a little a little bit more uh, open to what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. And we do see that in broken pieces, you know, on the second side of it, where you know, when it matters, she comes through at the end. He has evidence, you know. He tells her what's going on. She throws the F word at him uh, again, and and uh, basically, you know, sends the fleet, you know, to help out in those last that last episode. So I think she's generally a badass, you know. I, I don't disagree with her actions in that that first appearance in Maps and Legends. And then when he, you know, when he had all the solid evidence, Picard, to, uh, you know, kind of prove what was going on, she's like, "All right, we're there. You know, we're, we're going to be there for you." I, you, you pretty
1: much went through all the points I was going to make. I think that's that's great. I, I, my big thing was going to be that she could have showed Sean Luke a little bit more respect for the mm-hmm. things that he did. I understand she's upset. She didn't like the him losing it on the uh, on the news broadcast. And his request was out of left field and and not that legitimate, but uh, show the man a little respect. Okay, he did a, he did a lot for us. I love this pick though. She is a badass. She does come through in the end. And Admiral Clancy is uh, man. She is memorable. That is for sure. Uh, Jamie, what's your take?
2: Well, certainly she's a bad girl on account of her putty mouth. So I think we can <laughs> we can identify and agree on that straight away. Uh, but be, beyond that, it's it's fascinating because it is arguable. As as Patrick says, the you know there's there's arguments on both sides here about um, her position because in universe there's certainly enough justification for Clancy to react the way that she does, and I think she gives. She gives Picard his due by even having the meeting. You know, I'm fairly sure she's probably a, a busy individual, and that's you know, fair. She has, she has, yep. the, she gives him, uh, you know, the time of day, and he kind of treats her as if, you know, um, well, you know, just give me a ship, and I'll have this, and I'll have that, and I'll have whatever. And you know, she's having none of it, so. I I certainly see the argument both ways. Meanwhile, we've experienced, you know, seven seasons and multiple movies of this guy being the greatest thing ever. And we're kind of like, Really? You're gonna treat you're gonna treat him this way? There's an interesting parallel perhaps to the beginning of DS9, you know, where where Picard kind of plays the Clancy role and Cisco is playing the Picard role. If I got that right? Where you kind mm-hmm. of thrown off by the way that a main character or a new character treats someone that we know and love. And uh, anyway, it's interesting to see that. that interesting. Go, um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, sorry. It's the same character. It's Picard both times. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah but no, but Picard is, uh,
1: is flipped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he is getting hammered in both.
2: Yeah, that's a good. good point. Yeah, you're good point. <laughs> at, at any rate, um, look, great pick. Um, she certainly is both uh, a bad role in a sense and badass in a sense. So um, I like it.
1: I like that. We've established that in three pilots, he gets treated really poorly by Admiral Clancy, <laughs> Ben Sisko, and Q yes no no more stop doing pilots picard uh it doesn't end well for you (laughs) and i did say that it was fair that she gave him the meeting but then as i said that i was like no she gave him the meeting so she could give him the business because she saw that news (laughs) and she was pissed anyway this is an awesome pick and i i love your guys lists uh, let's go to my round three pick. We still have no duplicates through three rounds. I am shocked. I do not think that's going to last, but who knows? My pick, five words and a hashtag. You who could sort with Romulans hashtag. I've brought down bigger men than you, Picard. So speaking of Picard, of course, it's the drumhead TNG season four, episode 21. Rear Admiral Nora Satie and... Yeah, people that look for the bad in people as their starting point is one of the worst traits you can possess and that is the crux of everything that Admiral Sati does in this episode. I dislike her greatly. She is the worst kind of person and and even worse she'll jump through any logic hoops to kind of justify their their own actions. Again, something that's very apropos to the current times we're living in those words were uttered by judge aaron Satie
0: as wisdom and warning the first time any man's freedom is trodden on we're all damaged i fear that day
5: how dare you you who consult with romulans Invoke my father's name to support your traitorous arguments. It is an offense to everything I hold dear. And to hear those words used to subvert the United Federation of Planets. My father was a great man. His name stands for integrity and principle. You dirty his name when you speak it. He loved the Federation, but you, Captain, corrupt it. You undermine our very way of life. I would expose you for what you are. I brought down bigger men than you, Picard.
1: Yeah, basically, she's just a conspiracy theorist like QAnon. I despise her. Judge Aaron Satie, her father, would be ashamed. And uh, the great Gene Simmons as Nora Satie. Jamie, what's your take
2: on the drumhead? Amazing pick. Uh, this is... De- definitely, if you're going to be thinking about bad morals, this is the grandmother of all bad morals, I think you could you could say, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, given Gene Simmons uh, playing the role brilliantly, my my favorite bit about this is uh, where she she has Picard on the stand and she's speaking of people giving Picard the business. You know, she she's basically reading at him all of his failures, right? right. And I I love the line where she she says to him. Uh, would you be surprised to learn or something like, would you be surprised to learn that you've broken the prime directive nine times? She goes, it surprised the hell out of me. And I I remember sitting there going, Nora, have you been not been watching since season one? (laughs) Uh, You know, it doesn't surprise me at all. This is, this is, this is perfectly normal. And uh, be be, anyway, look, absolutely. One of the great TNG episodes, she is an, an all time top villain, and props to Admiral Thomas Thomas Henry, who's sitting there in the audience, totally unimpressed and just walks out at one point, ending the episode, oh, yes. which I think is, which is, uh, you know, I, I, I just love that touch that it's not really, it's kind of like a bit of an anti-climax. You know, she 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 gets into this huge rant and then he just walks out and kind of the, all the air is taken out of the balloon. And that's kind of the end of the episode. It's a fascinating way to finish the show. So Yeah, great, I don't think.
1: Gig. I don't think anti-climax because it's so rewarding for me just knowing, okay, this guy's seen through it. He's just not going to give her the time of day. I love it. That was so great. Uh, Patrick, what's your take on Nora
3: Satie? Uh, this, is a, this is a great pick and one that I actually specifically avoided because I figured it might be somebody else's pick, um, but an amazing one. I I'm always, this is one of those where I look up the Picard speeches on YouTube and just replay them so that yeah, I can, right. I can, I can feel better about life at times. And I, the, I scene, need to do that. <laughs> yeah, the scene where, uh, where Picard quotes judge Aaron settee the way Simmons plays that, that help dare you. Uh, I always think of that, you know, in this episode, uh, just that, that speech that she gives being so angry and he kind of, he's kind of a, uh, He's broken her a little bit there by invoking her, her own father, you know, in the, in the episode, but man, she is, she just plays the perfect bad role considering, um, you know, how, how many kind of, you know, season one, season two of TNG, there were some good ones. There were some really bad ones. Uh, This definitely holds up as one of the best episodes of TNG. And a lot of that because of Simmons portrayal of Sati and the ultimate bad role.
1: No doubt. Good summary. Okay, let's go to round two. When will the first duplicate pop up? Uh, Jamie, what's your round two
2: pick? Okay, so my round two, five words, Captain Cisco, hold my beer. Hashtag R.I.P. Barry Jenner. I'm picking Vice Admiral William J. Ross from Season 7, Episode 16, Inter-Armor and silent Legacy. So this is where Admiral Ross plays, uh, joins with Section Thirty-One and Sloane to play Bashir uh, like a Stradivarius, and uh, you know Cisco <laughs> yeah. is famously in trouble for killing Vrenak in in the pale moonlight, and that episode is held up as kind of like this classic Trek conundrum: Did Cisco do the right thing? Yes, but he ended up killing this person in order to you know to get the the outcome of the war that he needed. And everyone kind of overlooks uh, Admiral Ross, you know, making a deal with the devil here yeah. uh, in Sloan, and they leave Kretak to an absolutely inevitable execution. They are not putting her in jail, folks. Let me tell you, uh, she is she is going to her demise. And uh, this is this is this classic uh, classic moment that I think people overlook because it it you know the very next episodes we begin the end of DS Nine and the and the amazing uh, episode run to the end of the series. So. Uh, a couple of points great use of bashir having to really become the spy he's always wanted to be but discovering that he really you know makes a terrible spy because he actually has principles and it's it's actually a nicely plotted episode with the kind of, mm-hmm. is, you know, is Bashir actually duping Sloane or is Sloane duping him? And uh, at, at any rate, I, I love this episode. Um, having studied some, some Latin, I'm particularly impressed that Bashir is across his first century BC orators in Cicero, uh, even in universe. <laughs> and I did read that Ron Moore, when he named the episode, uh, a, there was a quote I read that said, the Voyager guys looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, which I which I thought <laughs> was great. great. <laughs> uh, so at any rate, that is my pick, Admiral Ross. How do you sleep at night? Quite comfortably, I imagine. But anyway, he's up there as a admiral for me.
1: Okay, lost unpack there. Uh, first, that is I never heard that anecdote that the Voyager guys would look at him like he's crazy. All their one word titles, uh, and yeah. then that uh, Latin, which I am not smart enough to say. I'm impressed that you took some Latin. Props to Barry Jenner. I mean, Admiral Ross is a really, really nuanced, interesting character that could have been a bore or a trope. And he did a great job with that. I know he passed away in the last year, I think. Um, So props to him. I think he played him about 10 10 or 11 times. So... I considered this pick for this exact reason. It's on my secondary systems and my notes were he killed Kretak, man. And that's a character we knew. Yeah. So that's a character we had seen and had been around. And that is, uh, that's some, that's some big stakes. And he's working some, you know, major section 31 shenanigans right there. But you're right. He plays uh, Bashir like a fiddle. Really, really. Awesome pick. Great deep cut. Uh, Patrick, what's your take on Admiral Ross?
3: Uh, This was the episode that I was considering choosing for him. I actually have him in my secondary systems, Um, but it was tough because I feel like Admiral Ross over the course of deep space nine overall did a lot of good. Um, He's the guy that promoted Cisco, if I recall, but uh, just the Kree tech thing, killing that person, like you said, deal with the devil, it, it's hard to overlook that, and it's kind of one of the situations where, yeah, you did a lot of good, but at the same time, it really only takes one major terrible incident to kind of destroy all of your credibility. Um, and it, this episode definitely did a little of that for me as a fan, you know, somebody that had liked the character. And, and like you said, a very nuanced portrayal by Jenner. And uh, yeah, this was why he would have been on my, you know, would have been on my list. And I was kind of thinking that somebody would, would pick him. Um, and if anybody has read some of the TNG books that, you know, aren't canon, there's a little more Ross and Section 31 stuff in there. And I always found that interesting as well, because it kind of informs my feelings about this episode mm-hmm. and it, making it override like all the good that I had thought that uh, Ross had done over the course of the series.
1: Yeah, I like what you said there, because when I do, I distinctly remember when this episode ended being like, it was like a gut punch, it's like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Evan Ross did that. That was did I watch that right? Do I need to rewatch this? <laughs> I mean, I literally was like, What did I miss? Because he He's, he's got this him.
2: kind of like avuncular presence yeah. throughout most of the show that then is totally turned on on its head in this in this episode because it's kind of like oh okay, mm-hmm. no, this guy this guy
3: knows what he's doing for a reason, yeah. right?
1: They take they, off you know? the comp badges, yeah. It's really good.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh Patrick, what's your round two pick?
3: All right. Uh this one is a little more, uh, I guess, typical. So my five words are obsessed with a cloaked ship. Hashtag everyone died and I became Admiral. <laughs> and my pick <laughs> my pick here is Rear Admiral Eric Pressman, uh, played by Terry Quinn. Uh, and the episode, obviously, is the Pegasus from TNG. Uh, I mean, this guy, I thought this was probably going to be somebody else's pick as well, but there's no way I couldn't pick this for two reasons. One, I've always really hated this guy, and I've probably seen the episode the Pegasus, you know, a dozen or 20 times yep. over the years. Uh, and second, this is actually one of the episodes my nephew's a big fan of, uh, oh, for cool. whatever reason. He has some weird picks sometimes about episodes really likes, nice. So I felt it was my uh, my duty to pick this one. Uh, so, you know, Pressman, 12 years prior to this episode, he already violated the Treaty of Algeron, you know, by testing cloaking device, the cloaking device on the Pegasus. He gets everybody killed except for nine people, including himself and Riker somehow gets away with it. Cause they lie at trial. Then he gets promoted to Admiral. And then all of a sudden the Pegasus shows up again, 12 years later. And he's like, well, I didn't learn my lesson the first time. So let's go out there and get that clicking device and try it again. <laughs> true, and, true. <laughs> and the worst part, you know, for me as a, as a TNG fan, you know, he, he dragged Riker into this threatens his career. Picard's losing trust in, in him during this episode. Not to mention all this happening. also happened right around that sacred holiday known as Captain Picard Day. You're you're violating all sorts of treaties on Captain Picard Day. What is wrong with you, man?
1: This is a fantastic pick, and I could see this being your nephew's one of your favorites. This is a popular episode. There's no way Eric Pressman was not going to get picked on this show, even though he's on my secondary systems. I knew somebody had to pick him. He is the worst, the absolute worst, especially when he puts rikers through
0: this episode mr wharf send a message to the warbird inform them that their government will be contacted shortly about this incident Aye, sir, admiral i'm hereby charging you with violation of the treaty of algeron as captain of the enterprise i'm placing you under arrest mr wharf admiral if you will come with me captain i'll have to be placed under arrest as well
4: Admiral, I have a lot of friends at Starfleet Command,
1: Captain. You're going to need them. And I love Terry O'Quinn in this role. He's just so good. This is before we were introduced to him as the famous John Locke in Lost and just absolute, the smarmiest, worst
2: kind of bad role. Uh, Jamie, what's your take on Eric Pressman? I'm so glad this got picked. This is another in those <laughs> categories of, oh, someone else better pick this, exactly. right? And I mean, it is, And uh, by the way, can we also have a shout out to Admiral Rayner, the head of Starfleet Security, who is yet another Admiral because uh, he's the one that gives Pressman coverage and is in on this up to his neck. Uh, I have no idea who Admiral Rayner is, but apparently in the show, that's uh, that's who g- gave him coverage. So, okay, you know, just, just another bad Admiral to add to the list. Um, it is in the end. It's a pretty great Riker episode, right? Pitting him. You don't see too often him being pitted against Picard, and that's an interesting dynamic that plays out beautifully as his loyalties are kind of torn here, uh, as you say. And um, no, a, a classic TNG episode. One of those kind of high concept. It's a little high concepty too because it's got this whole, you know, with the with the. Um, uh, cloaking device you know uh, trapping the, the the ship in rock and
1: right and the phase the phase cloak
2: yeah phase cloak it's it's kind yeah. of like a nice mix between you know your your Tng high concept scientific um, notion but really the heart of the episode is the emotional and loyalty battle going on within Riker about you know and doing the right thing versus the wrong thing and so it's a, it's a it's a great episode so and a great pick.
1: Oh, man, there are only four more picks. So many bad rolls to choose from. Uh, As (laughs) predicted, some are going to get left off. Uh, Let's go to my round two pick. We still have no duplicates. This is amazing. My five words and a hashtag. Situation developing on Cardassian border. Hashtag. Are those Valerian canopies? and of course it is Admiral Necheyev. my episode is Journey's End from TNG season 7 episode 20 and uh, i'll just be clear right off the bat she Nechayev is absolutely a bad mule but i also really like her i like her a lot and i don't know why so her i've got a, here's all the decisions she made she she ripped Picard because he didn't commit genocide against the Borg she sent Picard on a misguided mission that almost started a war and got him killed or almost got him killed. And, and she gave the Enterprise to Jellico, who everybody knows, if you listen to Trek <laughs> Ranks, I hate an absolute terrible decision. And then she forces Picard in Journey's End to relocate indigenous people because of a bad treaty and to compound it when he's like, I don't really know if I... Can do this? She's like, well, I can have somebody else take command of the Enterprise again. I mean, come on, she is the worst. And when you lay it out like that, it's uh, she's terrible. But I do like this moment in this episode when Picard softens her with the Bolarian canopies. It's a really great. Uh, it's great writing. It's a great gesture from Picard. Just a really mature, intelligent storytelling. Uh, you didn't see a lot of that, that kind of extra character development for someone like of coming through TNG across five, six episodes during that era. So really cool. She ended up being in six episodes. Well, I am trying to get things off on a better note this time. I wanted to feel at ease. I wanted
0: to feel that she's welcome on board the Enterprise. Is there any reason she shouldn't feel welcome here? We don't have to like her will, but we have to follow her orders, and maintaining this atmosphere of confrontation serves no purpose. Admiral Nechev, welcome on board the Enterprise.
4: Thank you, Captain. You may leave Commander Riker.
0: Thank you, Admiral. Captain. May I offer you some refreshments, I'll come right to the
4: point, Captain. There's a situation that's developed on the Cardassian border that... Are those Valerian canopies?
0: Oh, as a matter of fact, they are. I spoke with your aide, Commander Wrightwell,
1: and he said that you were particularly fond of them.
4: That was very thoughtful, Captain.
1: Thank you. And the last thing I'll say about Nachev. Please. When she was on Deep Space Nine, the Maquis Part 2, she is the reason for and someday we're gonna do top five speeches, and this one could be there. She's the reason for Cisco's speech when he says she, she's basically saying, hey, just try to keep the peace. And he's like, what does she think I'm doing? She said, he's the, the problem is earth. It's easy to be a saint in paradise. That speech is a rant about Admiral Dechayev. And uh, but I still love her. Natalia Nagoulitz, fantastic uh actor in
2: that role. Jamie, what's your take on Admiral Dechayev? Fantastic pick. She was on my secondary systems and did you mention the fact that she? But I mean, this was a holographic version of her that gave DS Nine to the Dominion. Oh, that's right. As well. Yeah, she was also in that. She was also in the search part too. It wasn't really her though, but it was. She, yeah. She's a admiral in in <laughs> sure. in the, the fictional holographic universe too, yes, right? That's so, so true. But but you know, it's it's weird that you've just listed all of those you know fairly outrageous things that that we disagree with decisions she made, but somehow she has managed to you know and full credit to the you know to the actress who plays her because it is you still kind of like her and yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least you can kind of see I-, I wonder if it's got to do with the fact that we've all we've all been in that situation in our work lives where we have a boss that makes decisions that we don't necessarily agree with but we kind of have a begrudging kind of respect for someone in that position making difficult decisions, even if they're not the choices we would make. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on here, as opposed to you know just being straight out evil. She kind of makes this kind of death by a thousand cuts of, of <laughs> what we see as being wrong decisions over the course of the show. But they kept bringing her back for a reason, which is that yeah. she had personality and gravitas as part of making those decisions. So great pick. Love the Admiral. And uh, Necheyev and good good stuff.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you're onto something. I think that's why. And, and the fact that we just kept seeing her over and over again and we we're able to connect with her character a little bit more. Obviously, we don't know that much about her, although I'm sure there's some novels that uh, she gets a lot more details. Patrick, what's your take on Admiral Necheyev?
3: Yeah, this is a great pick, and I, I agree with the both of you that I don't necessarily dislike her. Um, and the fact that she does show up multiple times throughout TNG and then DS9, which we don't we don't get with too many Admirals. There's a few that show up multiple times, but uh, it feels like we do know her a little bit more, you know, but we don't really know completely what's going on behind the scenes with her decision-making, you know, what, what she's being told by command directly, um, you know, all those high-level meetings that, you know, somebody like, uh, like, crew of the enterprise aren't necessarily a part of she's just coming and dishing out the orders and maybe you don't agree with them but at the same time the way she's portrayed you at least understand sometimes a little bit of the the dilemma uh in this episode especially you know relocation is never a great thing but at the same time it's like uh, you know we're talking about peace here potentially you know so that's why i i like that she's one of those and kind of goes along with maybe a few of my picks where She's a bad role, but at the same time, there's that argument to be made that she's actually kind of on the side of good.
1: Yeah, and she's, well, she's definitely a badass, even if she's (laughs) a bad role, that's for sure. All right, we made it through 12 picks, no duplicates. I am stunned by that, like one of the most stunning things in Trek Ranks history, I believe. So let's see if we all have the same number one. No chance. (laughs) All right, round one. Jamie, what's your number one pick?
2: I have a choice here, but I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, because I've got a couple uh up my sleeve here, but I am I am going to say you better get the Defiant torpedoes ready. My five words are my five words are willingly worried wharf was wrong. <laughs> Hashtag fear in the name of righteousness. Uh I am picking Rear Admiral Nora City from the drumhead as well. And if ever there is a pick in in 2020. I think this episode is f- ripe for a duplicate because this is not the year for me to have any truck for people who promote lies, conspiracy theories, and really take advantage of the common person's capacity for believing what they want to be told. Uh, this is just not the year for that kind of shit. Uh So, yes, we've, we've spoken about you know the opportunities for Picard to speechify, and they're awesome. The, the only thing I want to say about this, uh, in addition to what we've already said, is I suspect that this episode may have appeared a little heavy-handed in the kind of, how to put this, the, the enlightened days, uh, speaking ironically of the late 1990s and early 2000s. People probably watched this episode and went, hmm, a bit hammy. But today, we live in a time when I think truth is stranger than any fiction that could have been written about the last, you know, X number of years. And now, looking back, this episode looks like it's got a light touch. Admiral Satie wouldn't even make the second page of the news uh, currently. Uh, so anyway, I, I just think this is a timeless episode and uh, vigilance is what we need, right?
1: <laughs> vigilance. Man, you cannot say it any better than that. It is, it's is—it's so true when you think about it in those contexts. This, this wouldn't even scratch the surface in today's headline world of absolute – I mean, we have a senator now who's a QAnon person. I mean, that is insane. Absolutely insane. Patrick, any additional thoughts on the drum head?
3: I mean, I don't think Jamie could have said it any better. I'm, I'm at a loss for words.
6: Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, that was what talk I, about gut punches. That that hurt. <laughs> I know that <laughs> it's was so true. I like it, it was it's so true. Like, I, I might start weeping in a minute over here. Uh, Man, but it, it really is true, and uh honestly, this is one of those episodes of TNG with the card speeches and the situation. <laughs> that I just want to beam into everybody's homes and force them to watch it. And then maybe a couple of people will understand what I'm getting at just by showing it to them and, uh, you know, understand that, Hey, you know, maybe uh, maybe conspiracy theories aren't the greatest thing. And I shouldn't believe everything that random people tell me.
1: Yeah. I mean, honest to God, when you started saying that, Jamie, I was like, Oh, where's he going with this? Really? I don't think it was heavy handed, but
3: Oh my God, it was. It absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs>
1: Patrick, what is your number one pick for your badmirals?
3: All right. So my five-word summary should have let me sleep. Yes. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag squishy brain. And my <laughs> pick is Admiral Alexander Marcus from Fantastic. Star Trek Into Darkness. Fantastic! So reach into the Kelvin timeline for the ultimate and kind of cliched, horrible admiral. Yeah, I mean – I, this this is one of those – I think I liked picking uh, – I liked my picks to make people a little bit crazy because this is another one of those debated, you know, was this movie good? Was this movie bad? But at the end of the day, there's no doubting that this guy was a bad girl. He went out in search of things or people or whatever to create weapons. He found it in the form of Khan, woke the guy up, held everybody else hostage from him. Forced him to create uh, the biggest dreadnought the Federation's seen. Then was willing to kill everybody on the Enterprise just to cover his tracks and to cause the war that he wanted. Which this war would have cost hundreds of thousands, probably millions of lives if he had gotten his way. Uh, I mean, just you know, there wasn't even there wasn't a good bone in his body, and he kind of you know he met his untimely end. But I ne- wasn't necessarily unhappy about that. Uh, so yeah, this guy for me. You know, just the ultimate horrible human uh, played so well by Robocop himself.
1: <laughs> I mean, Peter Weller is a legend. This pick is amazing. And by the way, when you're talking about him killing everybody on the Enterprise, his daughter was on the Enterprise. <laughs> this guy is the absolute worst. Section 31, the whole business, the vengeance. Who's going to lead us? You? You? If I'm not in charge, our entire way of life is decimated. Love that line. Love Peter Weller. (laughs) Love this pick. He's definitely on my secondary systems.
4: Admiral Marcus, you're under arrest. You're not actually going to do this, are you?
0: Admiral, get out of the chair. You better stop and think about what you're doing, Kirk. You better think about what you did on Kronos. You made an incursion onto an enemy planet. You killed a Klingon patrol. Even if you got away without a trace,
5: War is coming, and who is going to lead us? You? If I'm not in charge, our entire way of life is decimated.
0: So you want me off this ship? You better kill me. I'm not going to kill you, sir. Hmm. But I could stun your
4: ass and drag you out of that chair. I'd rather not do that in front of your daughter.
2: Uh, Jamie, what's your take on Admiral Marcus? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Not only that line, but has anyone ever uttered anything with more villainy than, uh, you know, the line where he goes, um, that's a hell of an apology. But if it's any consolation, I was never going to spare your crew.
6: Yes. I'm yes. Like, Holy yeah. crap!
1: You're right. Like, That's it's such a good delivery because it's it's heavy handed and big and could be seen as a trope or a parody. But it's so it's
3: perfect, so well done. In the in the hands of Peter Weller, that line yes. is just, just so beautiful. <laughs>
2: yeah. How how good? I mean, you know, the bad moralist, bad moral, and a a, a perfect number one pick.
1: I love it. I absolutely love it. These lists are spectacular. All right. Well, then my number one, I I am so excited that he's not a duplicate because I hate this guy and I get to bury him right here at number one. (laughs) Five words and a hashtag. Admiral Grade A a Apple hashtag. No haves about it. It is Vice Admiral Haftel from TNG, The Offspring, season three, episode 16. I hate this guy so much. And Picard says it best when he sums it up by, when he says, hand a child over to the state, not while I'm in command. I mean, that's what this guy is asking Data and Picard to do. The entire premise and the insensitivity that Haftel approaches this topic with Data, who's already had his rights approved and are proven and validated in the measure of a man, just makes him an all-time freaking villain for me. I hate him. And I I also hate at the end when they try to give him a little bit of redemption when he's working with Data to try to save Law. I'm not buying any of that for one second. We know where this guy's heart is. And for me, the, the best summary of what a dick he is is when he goes to 10 forward and he sees Law working there. And Guinan makes the perfect case for why her working there is valid and he just absolutely dismisses it. And when she says, Oh, you've been to a few bars, Admiral, he's just not having it. And I love that moment with Guinan sticking it to him. And then the last thing I'll say is when faced with the uh, logic of law again, he just won't listen and dismisses. it when, when she says, uh, he says, there's only so much you can learn on a starship. And she says, I agree. So the natural conclusion is when I've learned everything here, then I should move to, to Galler 4. And Haftel says, that is not the natural conclusion here. <laughs> no, it is. You're just being a dick. I can't stand this guy. Jamie,
2: what's your take on
1: Admiral Haftel?
2: <laughs> yes, this... This was Jim Catnip. Uh, this pick, yes. uh, and I was kind of like, was he on my one-off gonna-
1: villains list? He should have
2: been. <laughs> no, yeah, he should have <laughs> been. I'm like, this guy is getting picked for sure. Uh, and yeah, look, I'm I'm not quite I'm not quite in the in the category that believes he has a, a modicum of redemption because you know he tries to save Lyle on the end. Um, you know, you'd ask, why is he doing that, you know, for his other nefarious purposes, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. Well said. Uh, but the thing about this guy is, as, as you say, it's not just the scene in 10 forward. There's like, what's interesting about the episode is there's like th- three little moments when in other shows you might go, oh, someone's making a really good argument and he's going to come around. Uh, oh, oh. And then, and then he, does, he just doesn't. And then the next one comes along and you go, oh, here it is. And he's like, no, nope, no, I still want to take her away. And by the end of the episode, you're like, man, this guy just really doesn't get it, does he? Well, Lal, I've been looking forward to meeting you. Why? You're very important
5: to us at Starfleet Research. We have quite a facility at Galar
0: I want to show it to you. In fact, the Admiral is suggesting you'll be moved to Galar
5: IV,
4: Have I done something wrong?
5: Oh, no, of course not. We just want to broaden your experience. There's only so much you can learn on a starship. I'm sure you'll agree to that.
2: Yes, I'll agree.
5: Good.
4: Thus, the natural conclusion would be, when I have learned all there is to learn aboard the starship, I would relocate to Galar 4.
5: That is not the natural conclusion here.
4: I believe it is.
2: Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a great pick. This guy is, is, um, slime and, uh, a total bad And, uh yeah, another, another very deserving number one pick. I love that. you framed it perfectly.
1: Every argument comes and you're thinking, oh, he's going to get it now. Nope. Uh, Jamie, uh, Patrick, what's your take?
3: Yeah. Great. Uh, first pick, um, there's that part at the end where he's almost kind of like tearing up a little bit, talking about (laughs) trying to save well. And I, 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 agree. I just never took that as being sincere. He's probably just sad because he wanted to take her away eventually and do research on her and whatnot. So yeah, this guy, this, an entire episode of being a complete jackass and then, you know, one small scene of trying to redeem himself Honestly, it's a little bit out of place because I just don't I just don't buy it. You know, after after everything we see from him in this episode, I just don't I don't buy it at all. So, yeah, this is is a great choice. This guy's total, total sleaze.
1: I appreciate that you guys are as bitter as me about that and not giving him an inch. I love it.
3: Let's see what you can do with the
1: secondary systems. Okay, let's get some secondary systems picks in here. There's a couple on my list that are big names that didn't get picked. Uh, Jamie, what's on your list?
2: Yeah, I have a, a <clears throat> long list here, uh, including <laughs> a few, a few deep cuts for you. So um, my toughest cut—I'll give you five words. I had uh, both loyalties and face torn. Uh, #Hashtag Send your ships, uh, which is <laughs> Mister. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Zerby playing uh, Doherty. That poor guy couldn't make this episode and he didn't make movie villains either. Uh, I don't know why people just do oh. not react to Doherty as <laughs> kind of like, I think he's the most middle management badmural we've seen on Trek. Uh, people. Uh, yeah, I love this because he was on my secondary systems too. I have a five
1: words as well. It was for the Federation, hashtag. It was all <laughs> for the Federation. And I think you're right. He's like middle because I don't think he knows what he's doing. He's like a misguided loser a little bit. He just kind of got – he's a pawn. And when he realizes it, he's just like, what am I doing? I thought I was doing something good. And send your ships. Anyway. Yes, keep going. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, no. All good. I am eternally ashamed. I mean, I have loved this episode, but I am eternally ashamed we didn't find a spot is for uh, Admiral Gregory Quinn from Conspiracy, who in particular has the greatest stunt double in Trek history <laughs> – uh, from the scene where he disposes of, of Worf and Geordie and Riker. That, of course, is one of the great uh, Trek moments. And to finish, though, I've got a little list here of my Admiral buzzkills that I thought were kind of okay. not great admirals, uh, but not bad enough to be bad. So I'm going to go Admiral Terrell from Discovery's Lethe, who tells Lorca he can't rescue Sarek. Yep. Um, Admiral Fitzgerald from The Mark of Gideon, who tells Spock he can't rescue Kirk. Admiral Morrow from Star Trek Three, who tells Kirk he can't uh, go back to the Genesis planet to rescue Spock. Admiral Todman in the Dias cast, who tells Sisko he can't <laughs> go rescue Odo and Garrick. And uh, of course, Potty Mouth, uh, Admiral Clancy, who tells Picard he can't go rescue Soji. So oh they my were my uh, list of, of, of Admiral Buzzkills. Um, I love Admiral Buzzkill. This, that is fantastic. By the way, Todman,
1: the only Admiral uh, ever seen wearing yellow. Yes. A uh, little known fact. <laughs> Until, oh, uh, well, no, oh, yeah. Well, o was a Commodore. Oh, yeah, she's a Commodore. Well, and she's a Commodore. So I guess yeah. it depends on different. how you rank. I mean, Commodores are technically admirals, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, keep going.
2: No, it's all right. My final special shout outs are to the unknown admiral who reassigns Captain Freeman from a Peace Summit on uh, <laughs> Cardassia Prime to Gelrak 5 to go do some useless crap. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that is some middle management oh, my stuff God. there. And last but not least, Admiral Mitsuya uh, from uh, DS9 episode Paradise, who diverted the USS Crockett out of its way just so he could clean Cisco out at poker. That is some badmiral bad action there. That is not <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. So uh, that's my list of uh, badmirals. Bad so good. I thought when you
1: mentioned Lower Decks, we were going to get an Admiral Vassery shout out with Sensors, Admiral <laughs> <laughs> Sensors, uh, Patrick, what's on your list? <laughs>
3: Uh, My list is a lot shorter. Uh, It did did follow my prime directive that I do have one that I consider a badass and then two that are bad. Uh, The first one being Admiral Ross from Deep Space Nine, uh, which we had discussed. So, yeah, I I see him as definitely bad and lost a lot of uh, faith in the guy after that one episode with Section 31. Uh, But he still did some badass stuff. Uh, Admiral Cartwright specifically in Star Trek 6. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. mean, yeah, let's just, you know, cons- <laughs> conspire with Klingons and Romulans and every bad person you can imagine to alien trash of the uh, galaxy. <laughs> 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 I yeah, he just was was horrible um in that movie and then uh my third one is one that I consider a badass and that is Admiral Christopher Pike in the Kelvin timeline. Uh, because unlike oh, yeah. the, unlike the prime yeah. timeline, this Pike has a very big influence on young Kirk to try to, you know, straighten him out and get him on the right path. And after he becomes Admiral and then uh, in into darkness, when, you know, when Kirk loses the ship, because he's all about violating the prime directive, you know, it's Pike that comes back to him and says, Hey, you're going to be my first officer. You know, I'm, you're going to, you're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out together. That's all awesome. you know, obviously Pike then dies, but I consider that kind of the, the ultimate badass because he helps uh, helps Kirk grow his ass up a little bit.
1: He definitely is. That is a great shout out to Pike. All right, most of mine have been mentioned. I'm going to mention just the ones that haven't been yet. Uh, Galactic High Commissioner Ferris from the Galileo Seven is an absolute yeah. jerk, bad mm-hmm. who Who, uh, I mean, yes, he's got to get the medicine. Too. So I, I cut him a little slack, but I just don't. I don't like his attitude. I also wanted to give a shout out the only other one here. Oh, Admiral Cornwell. No one mentions her from Discovery, but uh kind of a bad role when she authorizes uh destroying the Klingon homeworld. Which people <laughs> kinda like to oh, people yeah, kinda point. forget about oh, that. Yeah, she she, did that. Uh, she, did, she actually did that and put uh, you know uh Giorgio uh Mira Giorgio in charge.
2: Okay, and my special but a badass too, right? Goes <laughs> right. out in the blaze of glory
1: absolutely my she was when she went out yes my special shout out I'm glad he hasn't come up yet so we can have fun with it that's a stupid question it's Admiral Patrick from Thief Base Nine Chrysalis <laughs> one of Julian's uh, yes, genetically oh enhanced wow. friends Admiral that's Patrick such a
3: good that, is a, that is a great pick yeah. that, I love that
5: sir Admiral Patrick and his staff just arrived on the Farragut
3: what happened to Dr. Girani?
5: the Admiral said she was asking too many stupid questions dr Bashir, reporting is ordered finally patrick that's admiral patrick
0: mind your manners doctor
5: what are you doing here
0: that's a stupid question where did you get those uniforms that's a stupid
3: question too please excuse the doctor sir you <laughs> just woke up
1: that's a stupid question <laughs> yeah.
3: and he has a name patrick so. And his name's Patrick,
1: so we got, uh, we got a shout-out for Admiral Patrick. All right, this conversation was everything I thought it would be. Awesome job, guys. Super uh, great deep cuts. Let's get into our regeneration cycle and recap our picks.
5: Computer, activate regeneration cycle.
6: Alcoves beta and gamma.
2: Okay, Jamie, rattle off your top five. So my top five were uh, number five, Vice Admiral Kenley from Ensign Rowe. Number four, Commodore O from The End is the Beginning. Number three, Rear Admiral Mark Jameson from Too Short a Season. Number two, Vice Admiral William J. Ross from Inter-Armor NM Cylent Legacy. And number one, Rear Admiral Nora Satie from The Drumhead.
1: Amazing. You had three from TNG, one from Picard, one from Deep Space Nine. Fantastic list. Patrick,
3: how about you? Alright, so my five are at number five, we've got Admiral Maxwell Forrest from The Forge. At number four, Vice Admiral Catherine Janeway (laughs) from Endgame. At number three, we've got Fleet Admiral Kristen Clancy from Picard Maps and Legends. And at number two, we've got Rear Admiral Eric Cressman from TNG's The Pegasus. And at number one... We have Admiral Alexander Marcus from the Kelvin Timeline movie Into Darkness, the ultimate Admiral, in my opinion.
1: Incredible mix of badasses and bad rules. You had, I don't know if you planned this, you had five different incarnations. You had one each from Enterprise, Voyager, Picard, TNG, and the Kelvin Timeline. That is fantastic. All right, my list, Ambassador Fox from TOS, The Taste of Armageddon. Number four was Admiral Layton from Deep Space Nine's Paradise Lost. Number three, Admiral Nora Sati from the Drumhead TNG. Number two pick was from TNG, Journey's End, Admiral Necheyev. And my number one was Admiral Haftel from the Offspring TNG. So I had... Three from TNG, my top three, and then one from TOS and one from Deep Space Nine. So a couple other kind of amazing stats here. I, I counted, I'm gonna count Nachev as a badass. So that's uh that's four badasses that made the list, uh including Patrick's first three picks. We had one duplicate with Nora Sati, the perfect person to get duplicates. I was gonna to try to keep a track of fleet admiral, vice admirals, but it just I couldn't keep track of it. <laughs> there was only one non-human picked that was commodore o <laughs> interesting and there was only two like non-admirals so there was uh, one commodore and i mean they're technically an admiral both one commodore and one ambassador that i picked and then the gender breakdown is amazing it was we each had two women on our list and three men so there was uh, six women and nine men picked and the episode breakdown across the board was pretty good. There was no discovery lower decks short treks picks. There was one from the films, the Kelvin timeline, one each from TOS, Voyager and Enterprise, two from Deep Space 9 and Picard, and as anyone would have predicted, TNG led the way with seven. So almost half the picks were from TNG, which is not a big surprise. It was <laughs> it was a big framing device for TNG to to use the bad rules through their through their seven years. Okay, awesome job, guys. But once again, we've been hit by temporal distortion. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you.
2: The
4: temporal distortions are fracturing space time throughout the ship. Oh.
1: Cause? Unknown. Oh, and we know the cause, Mr. Tubok. It's all that amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Ranks. And this week's temporal distortion has sent us back to episode 92 in our top five buzzer beaters. Super fun topic. We got in a great voicemail from Chris Powers who's on Twitter at CDPow325. And I love his picks. So here is his voicemail.
6: Hello, Trek Ranks. This is Chris Powers on Twitter at CDPow325. And here's my list of top five buzzer beaters. The five words for my number five pick are a bomb and a tribble. Hashtag one in 1,771,561, the episode is Trials and Tribulations from Deep Space Nine Season 5. And the buzzer beater here is that Cisco is able to find the bomb in the Tribble and beam it safely off of Station K7 before it assassinates Captain Kirk. For my number four pick, the five words are Picard and Dathan at El Adrel. Hashtag Sokoth, his eyes open, and the episode is Darmok from The Next Generation Season 5. And the buzzer beater here is that the Enterprise is in a firefight with the Tamarians, and Picard walks onto the bridge and communicates with the Tamarian First Officer using metaphors to end the fight before any serious damage is done. My soup round pick is dedicated to our beloved Trek geek, Bill Smith, And the five words, that will be the day, hashtag never forget the name Enterprise. And the episode is, of course, yesterday's Enterprise from The Next Generation Season 3. From what I understand, this is one of Bill Smith's most beloved episodes in all of Trek. And here the buzzer beater is at the Enterprise C, sails safely through the wormhole just in the nick of time to restore the Enterprise D to the original timeline. My number two pick, five words, big buzzer beater beam out. Hashtag now would be a good time, Mr. O'Brien. The episode is In Theory from The Next Generation Season 4. And the buzzer beater in this episode is that Captain Picard is piloting a shuttle around pockets of dark matter, but it hits one of those pockets, and Chief O'Brien is able to beam Captain Picard to safety just as the shuttle explodes. And then my number one pick, five words, botched buzzer beam out, hashtag Scotty, now would be a good time. And this is from the movie Star Trek IV, the one with the whales. And here the buzzer beater is a failed buzzer beater because the Klingon transporter fails before Scotty can beam Chekhov off the Enterprise the carrier enterprise, and then he ends up being captured by the US Navy. And I'm pretty sure that this quote, Scotty, now would be a good time, is what the writers of NextGen were mimicking in the previous episode that I picked in theory. So those are my top five buzzer beaters. And Jim, once again, thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. It's a joy to listen to every time it drops. Um, so keep up the great work. And I hope everyone that you all live long and prosper. Love those picks. I, I really love that he dropped some shade on our friend,
1: uh, Trek geek Bill there with picking yesterday's enterprise <laughs> as, <laughs> as one of his buzzer beaters. Cause we know for some reason, Bill doesn't like that episode. And the two references he had to now would be a good time picks from, uh, in theory, with with O'Brien beaming Picard to safety. And then in Star Trek IV, when Chekhov doesn't get beamed out, when he says, now would be a good time. So the missed buzzer beater. So a pretty great
2: list. Uh, Also on buzzer beaters, what about the Doomsday Machine has a crossover with this topic as well, with Commodore Decker acting as kind of like the first Ahab kind of type-like character in Trek. So oh that's my a gosh. nice uh, crossover too, yeah, so right?
1: I should have mentioned Commodore Decker before. I had I would thought about him a few times, and then I ruled him out. But uh great shout-out for Commodore Decker, definitely worthy of secondary systems inclusion as a bad role since we had uh, a Commodore and an ambassador on our list. Okay, those picks, once again, more than enough to clear us from this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter or uh, at Enterprise Extra so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five bad or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we're doing a fun one. I'm a big sports fan and I've worked in sports my whole life. And Jamie, you are as well. We're doing our top five Trek sports. And Patrick, I know you're a big hockey fan too. So we're doing Trek sports. That's our next topic. It's going to be a little bit broad. We're going to let people define that how they want. But the idea is that we're doing sports and not like board games, so not Cottascot, cot, but uh, something more along the the sports line. We want to do Trek games later. So Jamie and Patrick, if you had to choose one Trek sport that you wanted to highlight off the top of your head, what would it be, Jamie?
2: Yes, um, I uh, as as you do uh, work in sports, so this is going to be a great topic. I can't wait to listen to. I would have to say, look, if we if we're going to rule out the moraine hopscotch, um, <laughs> I would say. I'd have to go to DS9 Rivals and O'Brien and Bashir playing racquetball against each other, dressed the way they are. Right. Uh, one of my favorite DS9 moments. So that would have to be my uh, my favorite sporting moment on Trek. I love that. And that's actually racquetball, not spring ball. Right.
3: They do, we do see spring ball, don't we? Yeah, you you know, see, like,
2: we see spring ball with uh, Kira. Kira plays it or something. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, Patrick, how about you? Well, I'll stick with my favorite sport of hockey. Uh, Tom Tom Paris from Voyager was a fan, and he he and Harry Kim played, I think, at least one episode that I remember with the holo program. And I think there's another episode where he actually watches like an old-timey 20th century hockey game. So yeah, yeah. that's uh, that, what, that, I'm glad to see that show up.
1: What was the episode where they're walking to go play hockey together? Was it, was it Drive? It's... It was late. It was like season seven. I can't remember if it was Drive or something else anyway i do remember they were in their full hockey yeah they had
3: they had that futuristic looking (laughs) hockey gear that's amazing i need to watch that episode
1: that's cool lots of different ways we can look at trek sports but we are doing that next on trek ranks all right so before we wrap it up here a huge thanks to Jamie mcgregor and patrick escudero fantastic fantastic uh lists and conversation today great to have you both on the show I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs. Me too, Neelix. So any final tricks, subspace communications, either one you guys want to relay before we depart, uh, Jamie?
2: No, just thanks again, Jim. Uh, congrats recently on the 100th episode. And, uh, you know, as everyone has said on Twitter, we're looking forward to the next thousand. So All uh, right. thanks for everything and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, man. And how about you, Patrick? Thanks for coming on, man.
3: Thanks for having me again, and uh, also congrats on reaching the hundred episodes and beyond. Uh, and I think if you ever want to have a twenty-four hour of Trek ranks, so you can just talk about TNG bad rolls the entire time, <laughs> and, and you'll you'll fill the entire twenty-four hours. That, so uh, I look I look forward to that and the next. Uh, like Jamie said, thousand episodes.
1: That is the truth. So many bad rolls. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Awesome job, and. Thanks everyone again for engaging with us here on episode 103 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong.
4: This is your idea of appropriate guidance. It is an opportunity for her to observe human behavior and more importantly, for her to interact with her
5: crewmates. She is capable of running over 60 trillion calculations a second. And you have her working as a cocktail waitress. Admiral, she
0: is under the strict guidance of a woman in whom I have absolute trust. Ten forward is the center of the ship's social activity. Everyone on board comes here. I'm not convinced the sort of behavior she observes here will be a positive influence. Well, most people, when they come in here, behave themselves. And when they don't, I ask them to leave. Admiral Haftel, Guinan, she runs Ten forward. How is Lal doing? Oh, she spills a few drinks every now and then, but she's learning. <laughs> Excuse me. I want that android out of here now, Admiral. You've
5: been in one or two bars in your time. Have a report to me immediately for an
6: interview.
1: Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends' five-year mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it.
5: welcome to the cerritos starfleet commends your bravery and ingenuity now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to work. Apparently, we've picked up a strange signal on our sensors.
4: Quite all right, Admiral. And what did your sensors show?
5: Well, nothing at first, but the long-range sensors revealed... Whoa,
3: whoa, 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 whoa. I am sorry. Are you trying to say the word sensors? Because to me, you're saying sensors. What is that? But, but that's how it's said.
4: Sensors. Everyone knows that.
0: Sensors. Sensors. Yes, that's right. It sounds right to me. Me too. I say it like that.
3: What? You don't. This is nuts. Yo, she's making fun of you, dummy. She doesn't say censor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. Stop it.
5: Is this how your crew treats authority? When it's known I mispronounce things? Are you really making fun of me?
4: Admiral, no.
0: I thought we came to an understanding. Uh, maybe you need to adjust your sensors. Would you just
2: stop? I have never been shown such disrespect. <sighs> is she yawning? <sighs>